A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Episode 188 of Blue Jays Nation Radio is brought to you by Botano. The game starts now at Botano.ca. 19 plus, please play responsibly. Maybe you were just busy hammering Arizona Diamondbacks money line. And now you're rich. You've probably retired and you've done it at Botano.ca. All right, Coombsy, we were all excited at the beginning of the week. We're like, okay, we're going to do one podcast reacting to what Ross Atkins said, talking about all of that. And then we're going to do one after Shapiro speaks because he's going to come out and say some crazy shit. Or maybe he's going to fire Ross Atkins and everyone will be all fired up. That press conference was boring as hell. Yeah, that was nowhere near as exciting as I think. I don't know if we thought it was actually going to be exciting or if we just kind of told ourselves it was because we were fired up after Ross Atkins talking. But man, oh man, oh man, after these two um, end of season media addresses from Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro. It is stunning to me that Ross Atkins is still dealing with the media and it isn't just Shapiro going out there and talking and, and giving quotes because like I said last time it was during when, when Atkins was talking, it was the sideshow Bob show. He was, you know, stepping on every single rake, dumping quotes that, you know, it, it was so easy to spin that into, into controversy and make that a thing. It was, you know, every quote was floating around the, the Twitter verse, the media sphere all weekend. And then Shapiro comes out and talks and it's just everything just seems more positive everything's it he basically says like you know what like uh, it's unacceptable that we let the fans down and didn't match expectations but guess what nothing's going to change and everyone after was like yeah that sounds about right that's fine and the, the sentiment was so much more calm than it was after atkins speaking it's uh it's 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 quite funny to see the paradox between the two yeah, um, we, we were fired up for change. I know we had a clip from last episode that kind of made the rounds on Blue Jays Twitter of me being like, oh, man, I would not be surprised if Roger's sitting there being like, this is a shit show. Figure it out. And a couple people I know were like, that is not going to happen. And they, it didn't end up happening. But we were trying to draw a line to convince ourselves that change was coming. Not the case. So Atkins is back according to Shapiro and Schneider's back according to Atkins. So it feels like they're running back the same crew Coombsy. And that leads me to believe they might run back the same crew or close to it on the field. Like, I don't think we are getting a jaw dropping, stunning trade of, of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Or even an Alec Manoa in that sense. It feels like these guys are confident in their group and we're going to see maybe somewhat close to the same roster again. Yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know, now that there's some time and space in between it, and I guess we'll talk about what else has happened in the postseason otherwise. When you see other good teams, you see the Braves lose in the division series, the Dodgers get swept by the Diamondbacks, you see Baltimore get swept, every single AL East team got swept in the playoffs, you realize how much of a crapshoot and how random this is. And I mean, I guess you stack the 
implosion against Seattle and the just limp dick showing against Minnesota, you stack them up and you're like, wow, that's four playoff losses in a row that were just listless and pathetic. But at the end of the day, like, I don't know, man, like I said this before, but I started watching the Jays in the early 2000s and they were nowhere near the playoffs for the longest time. So the fact that they're getting in is a positive. And uh, Shapiro said during his, his, his address that there's a tremendous amount of value in continuity and going back and trying the same thing. It's, 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 it's what a lot of hockey fans have been hearing lately. Like think about how many times Leafs fans have been told, you know what, like the key is just getting into the playoffs and eventually someone's going to bust through. And as much as that sucks to hear, and as, as boring as that is, as much of a, I don't know, it just kind of feels like it feels lazy in a way, but it is true. It's not easy to make the playoffs in major league baseball and eventually look at look at the teams this year arizona's going through you know philadelphia in back-to-back years they beat the braves the braves aren't supposed to lose um you know it's you just you just got to get in and see what happens and that's baseball for you yeah like i mean the diamondbacks by all accounts weren't even supposed to be out here winning the wild card round never mind going up against the almighty dodgers and breezing through that series like it was crazy you look at the diamondbacks man that's a team last year that won 74 games now, granted, they made some pretty good trades over the offseason that have uh, sped they? up that little rebuild of theirs, <laughs> those little buggers. But uh, yeah, like any, it, I think you're right. It's just all about having teams that are good enough to get to the playoffs, especially now with the way the buy seems to throw off those top dogs. Yeah. Like all you need to do is get in in Major League Baseball. Anything can happen. The, the Braves won a World Series with 88 wins. So just keep getting yourself scratch tickets every year and anything can happen. I think the difference between you look at Baltimore per se this year and the way they went out in the playoffs again without winning a game and some of these other good teams that have gone out I think they can a little bit more easily sit there and go damn we just got really unlucky for a few days and like shit happens it's baseball the problem I think with the Jays and using that as maybe a crutch or an excuse is this was a very flawed team throughout the regular season there was never really a point where we sat here and we're like this team is clearly good enough to win a world series versus Baltimore. They can at least sit there and be like, Hey, we're bringing back this young core. This was a huge step forward. That was a very successful year. The Dodgers can sit there shrug and say, you know what? I don't think Mookie and Freddie Freeman are going like one for 32 or whatever the hell it was over the course of a series like that every single year. Like it's easier to sit there and be like, that was kind of bad luck way it goes. That's baseball for the Jays. I think it's, very it's much more of a look in the mirror moment of our roster clearly was flawed and our process wasn't good and i think this ties into shapiro and atkins and then it goes down to day-to-day strategy and i'm really hoping there is a look in the mirror moment i didn't like don mattingly and that thing that came out where he apparently said this was the same strategy we used for 162 games and it of course we're going to do it in the playoffs why was everyone surprised we do in the playoffs i'm paraphrasing a bit there but I think that's a problem if you go into next year with that mindset again. If you just think, hey, what we did is good enough and we're going to keep doing it, then we're probably sitting here a year from now talking about the same old shit. Yeah, I mean, there was one of the I think one of the more complicated things about assessing this Blue Jays season was that you look at the roster and you're like, oh, yeah, you won 89 games largely on pitching and defense and uh, good, not great offense. They were above average, as boring as it was to watch. They did finish above average and run scored. And I mean, the thing is, is you 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 kind of look at that and you watch it and it was such a slog and it was so boring to watch. And Blue Jays fans for so long have been used to seeing teams that scored a bunch of runs. And I think if they are going to run it back next year with largely the same thing, I think they have to come back with a group that offers more 
in terms of scoring. I just think that's kind of the style that the fan base wants to watch. Like I, you know, the pitching and defense thing they've done is, is very good, but they sacrificed a lot um, in order to have that defense. And then I think the other weird thing, when you look at it is so many players had their regressions this season. Think about Vladdy jr. Alejandro Kirk, Dalton Barsho didn't have the same power numbers. He did in Arizona in his first year with Toronto. And you, you look at that as kind of, well, at first it's a bit of a defensive Atkins and his roster that he put together, but then it's, like, is this something to do with the coaching and the philosophy and the way they're trying to hit? Like, there's a lot of people pointing out that they're not hitting, um, pulling the ball enough, and they're trying to hit the ball to all fields, try to be one of those contact, get on base, move the runner type teams, <clears throat> and it just didn't work. So, I mean, while the, the the regression of a bunch of players is kind of a thing that is in favor of Atkins and his roster, the fact that they still won 89 games with these guys underperforming, but at the end of the day, like who picked this process? Whose idea was it to have in the American League East in Toronto, uh, pitching and defense team that was trying to like <laughs> slap singles and move runners over and hit the other way and do stuff like that rather than how many many pole hitters have we had in Blue Jays history? Like Jose Bautista, every single one of his home runs was a pole home run. Like that's, that's just, that's, that's who they've had forever. And to deviate from that, I really hope that's something they change in 2024. I don't want to watch a pitching and defense small ball team again. But also when you look at the teams that are having success in the playoffs, like did Kyle Schwarber not almost hit more home runs than singles in the regular season? And then you get to the playoffs and what do the Phillies have? A bunch of guys who are capable at any given moment of changing the course of a ball game with a two or three run dinger. Like that's what it is. Look at the games they've won. It's, it's massive home runs. It's not like bunting a guy to third base and then driving him in with a sack fly. So I don't even think it's like a selfish thing for fans to sit here and be like, we want to watch a team that's electric offensively. When you look at the teams in the playoffs and they're all electric offensively, they all have a lineup of, for the most part, guys capable of going yard at any given moment. So I do think that's a big part of it. And you mentioned the regression. The other thing too, we maybe because Bo and Vlad got called up early and they were the face of this rebuild. And it's not like they were just young guys joining a team that was already on the cusp of being competitive. They've been the center of attention. We sometimes forget how young some of these pieces are like Bo Bichette is only 25. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is only 24. Even Dalton Varsho is only 26. Their best years are still in front of them in all likelihood. Yeah. I think there was a, an expectation or, yeah, I, I mean, we've talked about this many times. Yeah. The, the pressure was the pressure was massive, especially for Vladdy coming up. And when he had that season in 2021, after he's had it once, the, the expectation from everyone is that's your baseline. He was the runner up to the MVP in 2021, puts up a thousand OPS, comes just shy of 50 home runs. I mean, that's a hell of a season. And maybe it's not fair to expect that every single year. But I don't know. It's hard to watch Vladdy's season in 2023 and, and be like, you know, this is, this is the best you can be. And you wonder, is this uh, is this a him thing? Is it the player? Is it him struggling with pressure? Is it a nagging injury that happened throughout the season? Or is it the approach thing? There was, I remember an article came out from MLB.com in August or September or something. And it was looking into all the different reasons why Vladdy's numbers aren't what you'd expect them to be. And I mean, I don't know. You have to wonder if, if, if their approach was, just got into his head too much and you see the regression from so many players and there's just no way they can operate with that exact same strategy again next season. Yeah, I am. Uh, I am with you on that. Um, 
Yeah, I think we can kind of move on from the Barrio strategy thing and all of that. Um, but where I want to go is something else Shapiro touched on, which is the budget coming up for 2024. He says it's likely to remain the same. He says going over the CBD luxury tax, whatever, won't be an issue. So when I sit and kind of look at the money coming off and where it could be allocated, you obviously have Chapman, Belt, Kiermeyer, and in all likelihood, Whit Merrifield. Those four made a combined $37.55 million last year. If you sit there and kind of say like, okay, maybe Biggio can be this platoon lefty bat with Vladdy. And if you believe the bat we saw from Biggio at the end of the year is something he's capable of doing more consistently going forward, maybe you can slot him in. I think Davis Schneider is a very fair piece to slot into this lineup as a close to everyday piece next season. Maybe you can sit there and really start to believe this team will do something big in free agency, right? Like if that 37.55 million is coming right off the books. And you're replacing two of the four guys with pieces already on your roster, maybe emptying or backing up the Brinks truck for a guy like Cody Bellinger. He's my boy this offseason. Maybe doing that's not that unrealistic. No, it's not crazy at all. I mean, I think there was some anxiety that with the Jays uh, having another short playoff run. I mean, Rogers was probably expecting at least three or four home playoff games, I would imagine. And, you know, couple that with the money they're pumping in with the renovations. And there was some anxiety that, hey, maybe Rogers is going to dial back the spending given the team's not doing as well. But they, they did do well. They, you know, they had 3 million fans come into the stadium this season. You know, the, the changes they've made have worked out there. You know, things are positive in that regard, but so the Jays were a top third team last year in payroll. I think they finished ninth right ahead of the Braves and right behind the LA angels at about 214 million. And uh, they have George Springer, Kevin Gosman, Chris Bassett, Jose Barrios, Yusei Kikuchi, Bo Bichette, and Jimmy Garcia locked in at about 115 mils for next year. And then all of their arbitrary, players that's like Vladdy, Danny Jansen, Varsho, guys like that. Depending on who gets non-tendered and who comes back, it should be somewhere around 50 million. So yeah, like you said, you add in cheap internal replacements, say Spencer Horowitz replaces yeah. Brandon Belt, David Schneider's on the roster, Bernie Clement, maybe he's on the roster, um, Anaraldis Martinez, Addison Barger. There's 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 those really inexpensive names that it, I, I don't think it's unreasonable at all to spend a big amount of cash on Cody Bellinger because also the same thing is you're not a hundred percent sure just yet. If you're signing either of your two quote unquote, you know, star core young players, Bo or Vlad, you're not sure if you're signing them long-term yet. There's, it hasn't happened yet. And I mean, Shapiro sudden is addressed that it, it, it got brought up and it was, you know, Bo and Vlad long-term contracts, what's going on. And it was kind of pushed off to the side. It's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not really a hundred percent sure if that's going to happen. And I don't think they have to worry about, you know, money getting in the way from a Cody Bellinger contract or something like that to get in the way of signing those guys. So this, this should be an off season given the way they're set up financially where they can make a big ad and they really need to add an impact bat because they can't have that offense again in 2024. Yeah. Um, I'll be interested to see what they do with the bullpen as well. Um, obviously a lot of pieces that are due to come back some diamonds in the rough. They found like a Genesis Cabrera who you really hope is, has established himself and can be a reliable guy for you next year. Um, would love to see 26 year old Jordan Hicks brought back into the fold. I think he's a guy too. Like we've been, you know, Jordan Romano is only 30, but we have seen some inconsistencies from him in the last 12 months. It'd be nice to have another guy you could have back there who has that kind of late game shutdown ability with Romano. But I mean, credit to Atkins because that's one area where 
again, you kind of go from one year to the next. The bullpen was the problem a year ago. And now you look at it and it's very easy to draw a line to that being a, a big, big strength for them again next season. I think the rotation, the Jays are fortunate that they can kind of walk into this offseason and be like, OK, we got Gosman, Bassett, Barrios. Our three big spots are covered heading into next season, right? Like there, there's not the only concern is power. Like you just need to go into this offseason yeah. thinking we need bats and that is it. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you you have the rotation behind those two. You have Yusei Kikuchi as well, and you have probably Alec Manoa coming back. Like like I've, I've said this before, I'd be shocked if they if they traded him at this point. I mean, even if there is a beef between the two sides, let him have his rebound season and then make a move in the future. Uh, it would just be silly to do it this winter, given the context. So, I mean, you have that there. Then there's top prospect Ricky Ricky Tiedemann. He's pitching in the Arizona Fall League, finished his year at AAA. Maybe he's in the mix for the starting rotation. Mitch White, after he got DFA'd and cleared through waivers went down to Buffalo and pitched really well. He might be added back to the 40 man before the rule five draft. And he might actually be an option for their fifth starter. Kind of funny to be saying that Alec Manoa and Mitch white and Ricky Tiedemann competing for um, jobs in the rotation next spring training. But I mean, yeah, for all the, for all the crap, everyone talks about Atkins. And I mean, we've talked some shit, like we, we don't love the roster that was put together this season. We weren't happy with the flaws and he he does make a, a, a lot of, similar mistakes. I think what what's kind of gone on with Atkins and where he's sort of fucked up with his rosters is <clears throat> the obsession over years of control. And this was like a quote that he had a few years into, into coming to Toronto and everyone really jumped on it, but you kind of look at the bad trades that he's made or the ones that haven't necessarily worked out where the team, the other team maybe looks like they've done better. And you think like maybe the Mitch white trade, you're looking for a pitcher who was under control for so long or our show, like maybe they could have found a better player if they were willing to just get somebody who was only one or two years away from free agency, as opposed to somebody who was right at the start of arbitration. But I mean, at the end of the day, like you have to respect the fact that they did put together, perhaps the best pitching staff the Blue Jays have ever seen. Like this is definitely the best. The 2023 Blue Jays pitching staff was the best that I've seen in my lifetime since the early 2000s. I can't speak to the teams in the 90s and the 80s because I wasn't around. But, you know, you, 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 you can't really scoff at the idea of an American League East team putting up one of the best ERAs in Major League Baseball. That is something. So it, it feels like the pathway to fixing what's wrong isn't as difficult as we thought it was maybe last week. I remember I, I was saying after they lost in the playoffs, what's the pathway to getting better this year? I don't know. It's not, but it, it really does seem like it could just be a Cody Bellinger edition plus like a ready platoon bat and they're better than they were last year. Yeah. And I mean, you remember the year they lost Marcus Semyon and we were sitting here being like, how the hell do you replace all of those home runs and all of that production? And while it stings to lose pieces like Belt and Kiermaier, who came in and, you know, similar spots, right? Just because they're one year vets who came in and had solid seasons. It's not like you're trying to replace 40 to 50 home runs here, right? Yeah. Like those guys had good seasons, but it should not be hard to find that production elsewhere in free agency. The other thing I like that you said um, when you built on my point about young pieces coming up in the roster, it's not like we're just sitting here and crossing our fingers and being like, God, Davis Schneider and Addison Barger better be good. Like the list does kind of go for a little bit or Elvis Martinez. There are other names, Spencer Horwitz. It's not like we're just crossing our fingers for one prospect to hit here. Even Ricky Tiedemann. It's like, Hey, if he comes in and blows the doors off, great. If not, Mitch White, Alec Manoa, one of those two are another option to be your fifth starter. So I do kind of like the spot the Jays have put themselves in. Not that they have a super deep farm system, but there appears to be a list of five, six, seven guys who you can look at and legitimately kind of go, 
they might be a factor for next season. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that, that's the thing with the farm system now is we were kind of used to a few years back. It was, you know, loaded with star names. There was Bowen Vlad coming up. Even Gabe, Gabby Moreno was yeah. at one time, one of the top prospects. And now it's, it's different. There's, there's Ricky Tiedemann, who's a top 100 name and Aurelvis, I guess is a back end one top 100 prospect name as well. But the, the, what, what makes the Blue Jays system solid right now and why it's, it works for a contending team is there's depth at the upper minors. There's players in double and triple a who aren't far from contributing at the major league level. And like you said, you don't need them all to be starters. It's just, we saw it this year. There was come August and September when there was a need for guys to come up, there was players in Buffalo who were playing for those spots and they, they help the team. If not for Davis Schneider coming up and having the August that he did, I don't think the Jays make the playoffs. Same thing with Horowitz. He had some huge hits, big hits in Colorado, big hit against Oakland. The, uh, and that's what the Jays are going to have next year. Again, there's only so many spots in the team, but there's a lot of quality players in the 40 man roster and towards the top of the system that can come up and make a difference. And you don't need every single one of them to do it. So, yeah. Okay, so it's nice. I feel like we've now talked some sense into into one yeah, another. We've like better calmed down from where we were a couple of weeks ago, which is good. I'm now excited for the winter ahead. Uh, maybe yeah. Ross Atkins having an incredibly boring press conference was exactly what this fan base needed. Um, we'll take a look at what else is going on around Major League Baseball here in a second. But first, we're going to step aside for a quick break. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Back on episode 188 of Blue Jays Nation Radio. And the playoffs have been... (laughs) They've been fantastic, Coomzy. But when I sit there and I watch like big home runs in Philly and Citizens Bank Park going absolutely bananas... I am incredibly jealous. I hate it. It like eats away at me inside. I'm like, damn it. I want those moments again for the Blue Jays. Um, But the playoffs have been electric and our guy Brett Holden is going to take us uh, through each of the DS series here. Brett, where do you want to start? 
Let's start in the AL where uh, my heart will break by the end of this segment. Let's start off with the la- final AL East team that, well, really put up just as much production as every other AL East team. That is the Baltimore Orioles. They got swept by the Texas Rangers 3 nothing. There's so many narratives around this as well. Obviously, they're too young and inexperienced. Adley Rutschman going 1 for 12 in the series so far. Well, not so far. It's over. Jordan <laughs> Westberg went two for nine in the um, the series as well. Heston Kerstad didn't even get a game in, not even an at-bat as well. And speaking of inexperience in the playoffs, Cedric Mullins went 0 for 12 in the uh, series as well. The only good youngster that played well for the Orioles was Gunnar Henderson, who went 6 for 12 with a homer and two RBIs. 500 on the series for him. And then the other narrative as well is that their pitching staff didn't really have a lot of experience, especially with their starters. Kyle Bradish went four and two thirds innings and he had their best starting outing with those four and two thirds. Dean Kremer went one for and two thirds in his uh, start it. And as well as Grayson Rodriguez also went one and two third, seven hits for Kremer, six uh, earned runs, no strikeouts for him as well and only two strikeouts for Rodriguez and that was the first sweep for the Baltimore Orioles since Adley Rutschman has been called up to the major leagues and it just happens to be in their first playoff series that one's kind of tough to see there yeah uh, Coombs I wanted to ask you something about that doesn't it feel like the Orioles are ripe to do what the Jays did 12 months ago? They're going to sit there and be like, oh, my God, we got outclassed. Our pitching wasn't good enough. The offense couldn't carry us like they should. That front office should be looking at the Blue Jays and going, OK, we don't want to make the same mistakes they made in the winter of 2023. No, they should be looking at the Blue oh, Jays yeah, and sure. being like, let's trade all these young guys away. We don't want them. We're not going to sign them anyway. That was a fun year. Let's go back to being the Baltimore Orioles. <laughs> Let's move on to the Twins and the Astros. Is the Houston Astros win the series three to one, and they move on to their seventh straight ALCS appearance? Somebody, I, I hate making these jokes all the time, but the fact that they're always in there makes me question what exactly is going on in that dugout. As uh, your Navarez just had an unbelievable series there, seven for sixteen for uh, the Astros, four homers, two doubles, one uh, single. He only had one single through all seven of those hits. He had twenty-one total bases and six RBIs. He's going to be a problem in the CS. Yeah, but also you look at some of the pitches he hammers. He is the definition of a guy you can't make a mistake to. Like mm. it's not like he's reaching down and hitting balls that are three inches below the zone. Like. They just happen to slip up once, throw him something that's somewhat close to the middle zone, and the dude just never misses. He hammers the ball. Yeah, and and you see guys as well. I mean, we didn't even mention Jose Altuve. Like, this is still a a team who has been together, Alex Bregman as well, since their uh, World Series championship against, well, even going back to the Dodgers as well. Uh, Let's move on to the National League. The Phillies and the Braves, probably the most exciting series of the four so far, and uh, that has a lot to do with Bryce 
Harper, baby. Six for 13 in the series, three homers, five RBIs, 15 total bases for him. And as well, Bryson Stott has been having a really good postseason as well. One of my favorite things of the postseason so far is him coming out to AOK and all the fans singing along. And then he smacks a double or something. Like this team, we talk about complete teams from top to bottom. This is a Philly, uh, Philadelphia Phillies team who is just complete and they're beating the Atlanta Braves who we've said as well one of the favorites for the World Series since the the regular season that was an impressive outing by the Phillies there yeah another thing too if you want to talk about you know the ability to find power in free agency and maybe how quickly the Jays can change their fortune how about what the Phillies have gotten from a guy like Nick Castellanos in his second season with the club like that right there is your example. You can find these really, really impactful corner outfield power bats in free agency relatively easily. It's not like the craziest spot in the roster to have to fill like the Phillies have done it. Schwarber Castellanos, they go get these guys. Even Trey Turner, too. They added Trey yeah. Turner in the offseason as well to that massive contract. Had a little bit of a, a, a spurt there in the regular season that wasn't fantastic. But you take a look at him in the postseason, he's doing fantastic. And the team uh, <clears throat> that the Phillies actually Boy. Uh, Trey Turner from the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, they got swept three nothing by the D backs. That is nothing. stunning. I don't even know what yeah. the odds were because I know the Diamondbacks were huge dogs on Batano to start this thing, but I'm sure you would have gotten them at like 15 to 1 to sweep that series, probably even more. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. It was truly heartbreaking as a little inside here. Uh, we were at the Oilers Nation uh, launch party there on the day and we had Spencer uh, show me the, the score there. And I had to take a walk and call my father and vent just going, of course they lose. Of course they get swept. I mean, it's, I hate to bring them up, but Gabby Moreno having, having another great game against Lance Lynn as well in the third game with that massive home run. Lourdes Gurriel as well as hitting really well. Those D-backs hit four home runs in one inning on those Dodgers, breaking a record for the most home runs in a single inning in the postseason. Now, the Astros will face off against the Rangers in the ALCS on starting on Sunday, so an all-Texas matchup there. And then kind of the battle of the underdogs, if you can say, with the D-backs and the Phillies and the NLCS, that will start on Monday. We are in for some absolutely fantastic postseason baseball, baby. Who do you got, Brett, coming out of each one? Okay, well, first, I just want to say that I went 0 for 4 last time. So, <laughs> but I do, I, I think the Rangers have been hot, real hot, especially with Evan Carter with how he's come up. But yeah. you have to kind of go with history here. I think the Astros are going to uh, just their experience pushes through there. And especially Roldis Chapman is still on that uh, staff there. And you know what? The Phillies are fun. Phillies are fun as heck to watch, but I'm going D backs here. I want, I want wow. an Astros. Feedbacks in the World Series. If you be my team, you better go through. So I'm going uh, Astros D backs here. Kumzi, who do you have? 
the Phillies vibes are out of control. Good. That's it's it's yeah. shocking to sit here and be be feeling good about a Philadelphia sports team. It's really funny to think like, you know, 10, 15 years ago, this is the exact opposite of a team that would capture everyone's imagination. Think like, you know, the team that everybody wanted to see 10 years ago was the the underdog, like the money ball team who's got mm-hmm. some weird player on a hot streak rather than the Phillies who have spent a trillion dollars in free agency. But now everything's so different in the 2020s. The, the game is so different that seeing a team who went ahead and just built a good pitching staff with, you know, Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola, two, two good pitchers, and then built a team in free agency with Trey Turner, Bryce Harper, Nick Castellanos, Kyle Schwarber. It's, it's cool. It's like, wow, this is a baseball team from like 2010. This reminds me of the good old days. It's fun to see good players hit home runs and good pitchers strike guys out. It, it feels very weird to say that, but the Philadelphia Phillies have a, a mirac- uh, like a spectacular vibe. In terms of the ALCS, I truly couldn't care less which one of those two Texas team wins. I mean, fuck the Rangers, fuck the Astros. They're both. I, I, I would rather not see either of them win. So uh, I would guess that Houston goes through just because of the experience, like Brett says, but I think it's going to be the Phillies winning the World Series um, in that rematch against Houston from last year. Our friends at Botano will give you just over four to one odds on the Phillies to beat the Astros. And I'm with you, Coombsy. I think we're going to get a rematch. And I think it's finally time for the city of Philadelphia to win something. Have you seen how many times they've lost in the finals recently? It's the World Series. There's obviously the Super Bowl. They lost in the MLS Cup finals. Like all this team has done is lose late in championships. So it's been a tough run for them, but I think they finally get it done. Thanks, Brett. Of course. Thank you. All right, Coombsy. Uh, so we really don't have a lot going on in Blue Jays world anymore. Like it's going to be relatively quiet now until the end of the World Series. Yeah, that's pretty much it for us for for now. I mean, I I don't I can't imagine there's going to be any transactions in the, in the coming yeah. days. So I guess we'll be back after the World Series when the real off season starts, and we'll be talking about who's getting a qualifying offer, who's you know getting protected from the Rule Five draft, who's being added to the forty man roster, all of that exciting stuff. Yeah, a, a lot of roster baiting going on over the next oh, few yeah. months on this podcast. Uh, all right, that's a wrap on episode 188 of Blue Jays Nation Radio, brought to you by our friends at Batano. Remember, you can watch the show, watch all of our content on YouTube as well. So head over there and hit the subscribe button. Coombsy will chat in a few weeks. Best wishes. Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode.